Welcome to Engaging Culture, a podcast presented by Bridgeway Christian Church. I'm Brian Kiley. This last Sunday, we finished our third Faith and Culture series, and this year's series focused on Christianity and the LGBTQ community. On today's episode of the podcast, Pastor Lance Hahn, Pastor Matt Bach, and I will talk about some of the key ideas raised during that series. All of that on this episode of Engaging Culture. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 22 of the Engaging Culture Podcast. I am Brian Kiley, joined by Pastor Lance Hahn. Lance, good morning. Hello, everyone. Good to see you, or hear you, hear or you. know that you hear me. All right. Praise the Lord. Good to know that you hear me. <laughs> if we hear them, something is not working right. Uh, that's so true. We yeah. are joined by the man, the myth, the beard, Pastor Matt Bach. Matt? Thanks for being with us. Good morning. I'm glad to be here again. Those of you watching online can see the beard in all its glory. Those of you who are not will have to imagine, but it is growing in glory, that's for sure. Hey, before we get into our topic for today, wanted to give a quick plug for a project that you, Pastor Matt, are working on, and that is the Engaging Parenting Podcast. The Engaging Parenting Podcast is hosted by primarily Pastor Cliff Woodward, our high school pastor, and then also Pastor Matt, and they're bringing on different guests and having all sorts of conversations about topics that are useful to parents. So, would encourage you to head on over to wherever you get your your podcasts and check out the Engaging Parenting Podcast. They've got five episodes up. Their episodes, I believe, are quite a bit shorter than ours, right, Matt? Yeah, they're only 30 minutes. Oh, see, that's that's how a podcast should be, really. Uh, you know, it ends up you have to split episodes quite a bit and do two. But, well, uh, you know. But it's, you know, a 30-minute drive is about an average long drive for average someone. sort of commute yeah. there. So their last episode is on technology. So that is certainly actually the last two episodes are about technology. So obviously that's a, a live issue for a lot of parents. I know it is for me and in my family is how do we manage technology with our children. So I want to encourage you to check that out, Engaging Parenting Podcast. It is great. So with that, we are getting into a conversation about our third faith and culture series that we just finished out. Lance, for those who are unfamiliar with these series, can you talk about the heart behind our faith and culture series and why we even do them? Yeah, I mean, here here's the deal. You're you're watching or listening to engaging culture and then we have faith and culture. What's the point? We believe that Christianity is real. It is every day. It should be a part of our lives in every facet. And so we want to take uh cultural issues that we cannot address from the pulpit due to not only the audience design, but also the time frame restrictions. So we wanted to grab kind of bigger issues and walk through them um, slower with more uh, focus and detail and being able to dig into the research a little bit more. So we did the first one was our Supernatural series where we were talking about um, how do we blend in the conservative church and the charismatic church and and what is the beauty of, of both of those? And also, um, how do you integrate that so that we can have a more holistic church where we're firing on all the cylinders yep. of what God has given us? And then the second one, of course, was the healing and ethically wounded nation. And that was about uh, racial tensions in America and talking about uh, black history and learning a little bit more about what is going on in our society and why are a lot of things erupting and and the divides that are out there. So we follow this one up uh, to do uh, another um, significant uh, topic, right? LGBTQ. Right. right. Now, of all the topics you could choose – Say a little bit about why you chose this one uh, for this time for, for our church to walk through. 
Yeah. So there's a there's a couple different reasons. One of them is that God has placed on my heart um, a variety of issues. I can't carry them all. Um, what God does is there's a lot of things in this world that really, really hurt his heart. Um, he knows that no one man, no one woman can carry all that. So what he does is he splits them all up amongst his kids. And he says, I need you to carry this part of my heart, this part of my heart. Well, on this particular kiddo of God, me, I there's certain issues that are really on my heart. One of them happens to be the supernatural, bringing the church together and utilizing what God's given us. Another one is uh, what's going on with African-Americans in modern day America. That's a big deal to me. I carry that every day. Um, and then another one is the LGBTQ community. Um, this is something that's been on my heart for years and years and years. And this is something that I carry around. Now, having said all of that, in our culture today, it keeps coming up. Now, if we're going to talk about the LGB, right, lesbian, lesbian, gay, bisexual concepts, we're way behind the ball. That, that was a long, long time ago, and the church never really caught up on a lot of that stuff. But when we start talking about the T, which is transgender, and then we start talking about the Q, which is questioning, and then the I, which is intersex, and things, the other letters that came on, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a tsunami hitting our culture today, and I would like the church to lead out ahead as opposed to running in afterwards. So this is this is not only a massively culturally necessary topic right now, but it's also something on my heart. Yeah, absolutely. And what's really good about all of it is that oftentimes people have encamped on different sides. And so what we were always really trying to do, and this is what Lance does a great job of synthesizing and bringing us to, is getting a balanced biblical view of these different issues because people end up, you know, encamping on each side and then they're not really looking at all of it mixed together. And sure. so that's been one of the great benefits. Yeah. So something that's important for, for all of uh, all of you to understand, and, and Matt's going to share more about this in a minute, is that the way these series work is it's uh, Lance does not just wake up in the morning and decide, I think I'm going to do a quick four-week teaching on whatever the subject may be. No. Right? That's very true. <laughs> so Dangerous. There is, a, <laughs> yeah. there is a team, we call it the research and development team, that spends a year studying all sorts of material on the related subject matter. They synthesize that material, and then Pastor Lance, with assistance from Pastor Matt and others, then puts together all that material into a teaching series that is then presented to a, uh, a group from Bridgeway. And now typically... For these series, they tend to be very popular, but we're limited by the size of the room, and we want to have people sitting at tables so that we uh, so that they can talk a little bit. Uh, so typically, we announce that the Faith and Culture series is happening for one weekend, and then it sells out, yes. and then that's sort of it. And then the series goes for four weeks on a Sunday night for two and a half hour or two hour or two and a half hour sessions. Right. Each night. Each night. So it is a lot of material. There's some guest speaking involved as well, but a lot of it is Lance presenting a bunch of different uh, a bunch of different material on the topic at hand. Now I'm going to give an overview in a minute of the four weeks of this last series for those that weren't there to just give them a, a quick snapshot of some of the stuff we covered. But before we do that, Lance, could you just real quick give us some definitions for those who don't know? LGBTQ. Uh, define those for us. Right. So um, uh, some of you may be familiar. If not, here we go. So a lesbian is a woman whose primary sexual 
and affectional orientation is towards another woman. All right, so that's pretty easy. Uh, gay is a man whose primary sexual and affectional orientation is towards another man. Bisexual is a person who is sexually attracted to males and females or any other sex or gender identity. And then transgender, which some of you may not be super familiar with, is any gender identity or feeling that transcends and does not align with one's assigned gender at birth or society's idea of gender. So someone whose current gender identity is different from their assigned sex at birth, regardless of whether hormone or surgical intervention has taken place. Um, you may know these are very broad categories. The last one that we, we, you have to at some point have to stop with the letters because the letters keep going on. We stopped at Q because the Q stands for, depending on the group that you're in, can either stand for questioning or queer. Questioning means I don't yet know how I define myself, and so it, it's a catch-all phrase. Queer is the idea of saying we want to reclaim a negative, uh, a negative slur that had been used against that community, and so it was saying, listen, I'm going to dive into more of the pride piece and say, listen, I don't know who I am, but I'm not going to hide anymore, and that became the queer concept. So anyway, there you go, LGBTQ. LGBTQ, there you go. So uh, now going to try to, in a couple of minutes, summarize four weeks of very complex material. So week one, we started with a history of the LGBTQ community. A lot of terms were de defined, definitions were given. Pastor Lance introduced the same-sex attraction continuum, which we'll discuss later in this episode, and he gave an overview of current science related to epigenetics. Pastor Lance also introduced five societal shifts that have influenced our understanding of sexual ethics, those five being the rise of relativism, post-Christendom, radical individualism, the sexual revolution, and the shifting of normal. Finally, we talked about a very key difference between same-sex attraction, which is attraction towards a driver desire for sexual or intimate romantic connection with a person of the same gender. It is, it is to be clear, a desire or a temptation. We talked about the difference between that and homosexual sexual activity, which is sexual activity with a person of the same gender. That is an action. Uh, week two was a biblical examination. In order to look at this subject from a biblical worldview, we needed to address the five cultural shifts I just mentioned. Instead of relativism, we affirm absolute truth. Instead of embracing post-Christendom, we are Christians. Instead of radical individualism, we embrace God-centered community. Instead of a sexual revolution, we, present, we promote sexual wholeness. And instead of shifting norms, we believe in anchored discovery, where we explore new ideas but are anchored in God's truth. Uh, from there, Lance took us through three types of biblical passages that address homosexuality. There are extreme wickedness stories like uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. There were rules and regulations of Levitical law. And then there were some passages that spoke to the depravity of humanity. Lance helped us see how these passages are a bit more complex and nuanced than they appear on face value. Uh, and ultimately, where Lance landed was saying that uh, the Bible is relatively clear that homosexual, homosexual activity is for forbidden by God, just as sexual immorality of any other type is. Lance then cautioned us in a few different ways. Uh, first, he cautioned us against ordering sin by importance, uh, saying that some sins are more important than others, therefore some are more bad uh, than others. Uh, we were cautioned not to believe that people who struggled in ways different than the ways that we do are somehow worse than us. Uh, and then we were cautioned to make sure that our first move 
towards those who struggle with same-sex attraction is compassion. The, the phrase that Lance used that I thought was so great was at least compassion, at least compassion towards these individuals. Lance, how am I doing so far? Am I representing you accurately? <laughs> yeah, you're nailing it. Great job. You did it way faster than I did. Yeah, you didn't, um, you didn't do it in four hours. Well, yeah. I still have two weeks to go. So, you know, here we go. Uh, so week three was all about gender identity. You defined a number of key terms related to gender identity, including transgender and gender dysphoria. Uh, So gender identity is about who you feel and believe yourself to be, regardless of your anatomy. Uh, And then there was a, uh, let's see, I lost my spot here. Uh, There we go. You gave us a brief history of transgenderism in the world and discussed the high prevalence of suicidal ideation amongst people who experience gender dysphoria, which real quick, Lance, define gender dysphoria for us. Um, That's that you don't feel in alignment with how you look or how you are um, anatomically designed. Thank you. Uh, You talked about the role that hormones play in gender gender identity and the role that environment plays in our hormonal development. Uh, Then we talked about some legislative and educational efforts related to transgenderism, particularly some of the bills that have been presented in the state of California. Lance then led us through a discussion of the importance of finding our identity in Christ and about the importance of God-made genders. We closed the session with a really helpful segment on the need to rethink gender stereotypes and talked about how we need to have a more broad view of masculinity and femininity. To speak in very general terms, uh, you said that we need to learn that it's okay, for example, for a man to prefer fashion design to sports, and it's okay for a woman to want to lead in business and not attend children's playgroups. Those are, again, very broad categories. The session ended with a plea for us to lovingly walk alongside those who don't feel at home in their bodies so that they might know that they are loved by God and loved by us. And then week four was really interesting, and that was what do we do about it? Lance talked about ministering to people differently based on where they are on the same-sex attraction continuum, which we're going to talk about that again in a moment. You talked about change efforts and some of the pitfalls of those efforts and talked about a proper Christian response to the LGBTQ community. Uh, You said that we need to treat those in the LGBT community with agape love, empathy, honor, and patience, and that we need to develop loving relationships so that we can share meaningful truth. We talked about different perspectives on LGBTQ involvement in the local church, which we'll also talk about more in this episode. Then you gave us some guidance on how uh, you gave some guidance to those who experience same-sex attraction and want to honor the Lord in the midst of it. And then you also gave some guidance to family members of those experiencing same-sex attraction. You urged people to listen deeply, avoid making assumptions, and then urged them to continue to make verbal affirmations of love towards their loved ones. There we go. So that is a lot of ground. That we covered in four weeks, and that was an extremely basic summary of it. That's just the tip of the iceberg. Matt, there was a lot of research that went into creating this series. Can you talk a little bit about that process? Yes, a lot of research went into creating the series. (laughs) Thank you, man. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. No, uh, so so one of the things that's really great is that Pastor Lance has already been spending a lot of time stirring on this. So he'll, he ends up having a, a document that has a lot of stuff that he's looked at, approached, even taught some pieces on, but he wants to go deeper. He wants to see some, some questions that still are out there answered or have more data information behind it. And so what's awesome is we've, the last two years, had a, a team of people, about five or six people that we take different segments of that 
those pieces and we start exploring them deeper. And so we get those assigned and then we go in and everybody's researching and then monthly coming in and updating one another on what we're seeing, what we're learning. And it creates good dialogue. It creates good um, development of sometimes some of the ideas and themes. And then we're also then storing that. So then when we're going to address certain pieces as it's kind of reorganized, we're able to then take the the research and have it available. And so like one of the things, especially for this series, is because we know this is one that there's so much data out there, but people don't always know where to go. We started taking some stuff that we didn't have all the time to go through and we put it onto resource documents that that will follow the the series for people so that they can look each week at what's going on. And so even within those overviews that you had, we had research notes on the science and we had research notes on the, the data on what are the statistics and we had research notes on the biblical examination because sometimes we don't have time to go into the deeper theology and question of every single text because there are a number of texts that Pastor Lance discussed. So we wanted to give people that so they can go and have that supplemented. Now, we know that that helps people that are still maybe unsure about a point or need clarification because they heard it said in a phrase or a sentence, but they're going, well, what about? And sometimes that will answer those questions. But it just provides a, a greater framework. And we really feel that that one enhances Lance's teaching, you know, not that it needed enhancement, but uh, but it enhances it because it informs him. And then he was able to draw on stuff that sometimes he knew an inkling of and it gave him greater depth and the reference. And then we were able to make that available to people. Um, and then we also integrated in a lot of people that we had connections with. And mm -hmm. so that's one of the things that played into our testimonies and, and different sharing points. But, you know, guys like um, – Cy Rogers, you know, to come in and, and chat with us um, and, you know, other people from other ministries coming in and, and chatting with us and just, you know, us being able to hear other people that have already been talking about this, um, you know, wrestling with some of this stuff, uh, processing it. And so that plus the many books, the many, re the, the, the great amounts of research you can do, um, putting that all together for people, we find that to be helpful. And uh, I don't know, Lance, is it helpful? I guess that's the question <laughs> to ask you. Yeah. Or does it just give you more information to have to sift through? Well, here's the thing. Um, uh, one thing I want to highlight about the team and, and, and our focus together is the um, integrity of our research was really, really important to us. So for example, a lot of times it's very easy to just go and try to Wikipedia something. Uh, we went out of our way to go, we need to grab um, this from sites that are LGBTQ affirming. We need to grab this stuff from sites that, dis that disagree with each other. Yeah. We need to go through and we have to highlight and cite everything. You know, I said, listen, we can't make any statements if we're not going to be able to back them up. And so it was like backup, backup, backup. And then um, what, what I really wanted was a team of dedicated loving, really, really intelligent people to tear my stuff apart. I, I, I just presented out all my stuff and I said, all right, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but we got to hash through this stuff. So not only did they bring new material, for example, I handed over to uh, Pastor Matt uh, a couple of the heaviest categories. Um, one of them was the science of it. And so handing that over to him. So not only did he bring new stuff to the table, but he helped analyze my stuff and say, is this really what you intended to say? Or do you really have any backup for that? And so we were cross-firing on each other. And the reason for that is I don't believe in talking about stuff that I don't know what I'm talking about, mm -hmm. especially if it has any inkling that it's tied to Jesus. I believe that the minute the church starts talking or, or you start talking for the Lord, 
there has to be an integrity to what you're going to say because anything that you're doing that is wrong or ignorant or sloppy, I think it reflects back on the trustworthiness of the messages that we're promoting. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, and we were we were also trying to work to make sure the environment for how we presented it and taught through it was also intentional and focused. So that included preparing people for how to have the conversations about this type of material yeah. in the room and stuff that we hopefully can pass on to people for other conversations. Yeah. So I think it's important just to, to get all that out there to, cause in, in our world today, it is so easy to hear about something yes. once for the first time and then immediately react and say what you think and da, 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 da. And then we all just get all stirred up and angry and <laughs> agitated and, and, and become inflammatory with one another. So it's important for people to understand, agree or disagree with some of the conclusions that have been drawn or even right. some of the material that was presented. That's fine. Think what you want, but just understand this was not done flippantly or quickly. It was done very methodically and, like you said, with a with a, a high desire for integrity in the research, which is yeah, really I w- important. I, and, and this is all has to do with respect for the Lord and respect for people. We're talking about people's lives. We're talking right. about things that are matters of the heart. We're talking about things that are world-crushing. And you do not walk into that lightly. Uh, They, you know, anyone that we're talking about, whether it's the ethically wounded nation or we're talking about the charismatic versus the conservative church, you're talking about real people. So we have to do our due diligence so that they might know that they were honored at all times. It doesn't mean we always get it right, but it means that we put in as much honor as possible. Yep. No, that's well done. So one of the tools that was introduced during the series was the same-sex attraction continuum. And we're going to talk through that a little bit now. Uh, Lance is trying to hold it up to the camera, but I don't know that the angle is quite right. Although we're on a delay here on what I'm watching, so I don't know. Yes. Brenton, make it work. Make it go to the camera that I'm holding it up to. Unless you can. <laughs> anyway, uh, for those of you that are listening and getting frustrated with us, we're going to move on. The continuum is a half circle with uh, six different categories in it. And Lance, why don't you start to walk us through those six categories? Yeah. Okay. So the the important parts of this continuum um, is that we are trying to dig into the idea of where does same-sex attraction come from? It is not answering everything you want to know about this issue. It is merely one slice, which is, wow, I, you know, we got a lot of this going on in our society. Where's it all coming from? That's that's what we were trying to address. And so on that continuum, the reason why I call it that is that people can say, well, it's kind of that core category, kind of that category. It's, it's a mix of these two things. Um, but the other important thing is that it starts out on the far left, if you have a half circle going across like a fan fanning out. Mm-hmm. On the far left, I have the phrase, no choice. And on the far right... I have the phrase or the word choice. That means that the continuum goes from no choice in the matter of of having same-sex attraction. It just, it happened all the way down to, yes, I absolutely opted for that. Um, And so one of the unique things I think that we brought (laughs) to the conversation is this. Uh This is a pseudo theory, which means that I'm bringing out observations and things that I've learned and studied over the time. This is not found anywhere. So if someone is going to go, well, who who are you working off of? I'm not working off of anybody. This is, this is our stuff. Now, can it be shot down and holes blown into it? And is it scientifically proven and all that? No, no. We're walking in a very human ministry world 
right now. And so we are making a lot of guesses, but they are educated guesses. And so anyway, I'm going to lead us through it. That was a whole bunch of <laughs> disclaimers. All right, here we go. Uh, on the far left, first of the six categories is born this way. There is no choice. It doesn't matter how we want to define born that way. It's that from earliest childhood, all the parents could tell, everyone could tell something was different about this kiddo. Mm -hmm. And they didn't do it. It wasn't because they were hanging out with somebody. It wasn't It wasn't anything other than this is the way it is. Right. That person has no memories otherwise. In the same way you, maybe if you're a heterosexual person, if I would ask you, so when did you become heterosexual? That question doesn't make any sense to you because you go, well, that's just what I am. That same exact feeling is in this category for the homosexual community going, uh, I never, what do you mean? When did I decide? I didn't decide anything. Right. I didn't decide my hair color. I didn't decide my eye color. This is just kind of how it happened. Right. So now I will suggest that historically, this has been the largest category. And the reason why is because it was not cool to be gay. It was not societally acceptable to be a lesbian. It was not, it was a very brutal environment. So the only people that would kind of press through were those that would say, listen, I have, have, I have no other choice in my, in my mind. I have no other choice. Now, the reason why that's so important is because, uh, suicide statistics, right? right? So, um, nearly one third of LGB youth have attempted suicide at least once in the prior year compared to 6% of heterosexual youth. That's a huge difference. 29% yeah. versus 6% homosexual versus heterosexual. So something's going on for LGBTQ people aged 10 to 24. Suicide is one of the leading causes of death in that category. Yeah. So once again, when you start talking about, oh, did you choose this? A lot of times you'll get this response. Why would I choose this? This has been so difficult for me. Now, that's not always the case, but that is the case in some people's lives. Now, I will say that this is the only category usually that the secular world is willing to look at. Mm -hmm. They will refer to this as the only thing um, and – this is very hard for the church to receive. So to clarify, you're saying that what we will often hear from the secular world is there aren't, in fact, six categories, as you are suggesting. There is one category. Yes. Everybody is born that way. And then what you're also saying, and, and what we've seen a little bit in the series, is that oftentimes for Christians, this can be a little bit difficult to even acknowledge that some are born that way. Yeah, because it immediately brings up the question of why would God do this? Why would God make me this way? Right. Like, why would he say it's a sin? And we're going to get into what actually is a sin versus what's not. But why would God put something in a sin category and then put it on someone from birth? That is a big wrestling topic. Now, I'm going to suggest back to you immediately because we can't get into too much of it. Right. But I'm going to say, quite frankly, all of us have things that we were born with that we didn't ask for. And we go, why would God do this to me? So right. whether that's my panic disorder, or that's a handicap or that's a whatever. Sure. There was no... There was no option in that, but wow, we have to deal with it now. Okay, totally. so the second category, and the rest of these, uh, <laughs> we can move a little bit faster through. The second category over from no choice is what I define as bent by evil. Mm -hmm. Those who have suffered abuse at the hands of other people, and it created a diversion of sexual identity. The result was deep scarring and eventual remapping of the brain. So that's – if we're going to be talking about molestation, if we're going to be talking about physical abuse, if we're going to be talking about verbal abuse, stuff like that, that along the way they would have grown up heterosexually, 
but damage came in from a person and diverted their development. That's all that means. Uh, number three is bent by environment. And this is perhaps the most complicated of all the groupings because it's an element of environmental factors, right? So there's many different scenarios or different catalysts. Um, family of origin really plays into this, while at the same time we want to caution people from blaming everything on parents and then parents going into a spiral of shame, right? right. Um, because you could be the best parent in the world and your child still wrestles with things. That's just how parenting is. But we do have to say that our environments – have a significant impact on us. All right, the fourth category going over, and we cross the center threshold where we start sliding a little bit more into choice here, is bent by affirmation. And what I mean by that is those who have seen a transformation in their sexual identity over time, primarily due to the craving of being loved, belonging, and acceptance, because the power of affirmation or approval is crazy. It's yeah. so heavy. We will do the most amazing things just to be loved. We will do whatever is necessary to belong. And that, in my opinion, is the fastest growing category. Remember I said that the first category historically was the largest? The only reason it's shrinking is because the other categories percentage-wise are increasing, mm -hmm. and that's going to shrink that a little bit. I think that the first category of born that way is probably going to remain relatively static, because that's, I think that's a, a humanity thing. However, this category of needing to belong and it actually being an accepting group, a place where you can be loved, a place where you can be uh, welcomed. Actually, if you look at the younger generation, this is school. Right. You used to have categories where you'd have, um, oh, there was the skateboard guys, and then there was the stoner guys, and then there was the, the athletic people. The stereotypes. The yeah. stereotypes, right? Well, now all of a sudden there's a whole... LGBTQ group, and just like um, things have changed where nerds and geeks used to be a bad thing, nerds and geeks is another group that actually has honor now. Well, in the same way, LGBTQ, there's a coolness that comes with that. There's a factor that comes with that. Right. And if you have rejection in other groups, they are probably the most affirming and welcoming group to you because they've had pain in their past. Right. They've had people reject them. So what they want to do is love on people and not make any judgments. And part, right? of what, part of what you're saying with that is that people are hearing from others that this is what you are. Yes. Too, right? Like that you're almost being told over and over again, whether it's by family, friends, teachers, oh, you're very – Effeminate. You're very, yes. you know, like this or that. Yes, that's a huge piece to this. Um, uh, the category five, where we're once again moving more and more over into the choice category, I referred to it as works best for me, which means either they chose to try it out of interest or they were drawn into same-sex activity by a trusted relationship, meaning that there was a some temptation that crept in that wasn't there before. They opted to continue to pursue that newfound desire that was aroused. So it works best for me. That's the idea of, um, hey, you know what? I've been hurt so often by the opposite gender. I'm tired of that pain and that rejection. I know I can opt over here and they can understand me deeper and better. And I would like to be a part of that. So uh, and then finally, category six is all the way on choice. And that is simply sex. Uh, the way I define that is those that engage in homosexual sexual activity primarily for the sexual gratification that it brings. Um, that's everything from uh, I don't identify or I, my orientation is not homosexual at all. 
It's that I want to engage in same-sex activity. Think about the concept of three ways, right? You can't have a threesome without somebody mixing genders. And you go, but that's not really what I was interested in. Yeah, but that's part of it. Um, This is the idea that would encompass things like um, prison issues, where where a man would say, I'm in prison, I'm having sexual connection with other men, but I don't identify as gay. Mm -hmm. And when I get out of prison, that's got no part of my life. Um, those types of things are simply a sexual component. Right. Now, uh, I, I think there's big highlights from these. Sure. So, okay. So now, you talked in the series about the stubborn world and the immovable church. Yeah. What did you mean by that? Uh, it's, the church can only think of choice and the world only thinks of non-choice. Right. Um, and so they're not, they're, they're yelling across picket lines. They're not dialoguing. Um, and the other thing is that we're completely missing this idea where um, the church will go, I don't want any of that influence. And they use the phrase influence a lot. And then the world looks back at the church and says, what are you talking about? That's an old, outdated cooties game philosophy that you think everybody's going to catch uh, homosexuality. Right. It, it, it's not a it's not a catching thing. And they'll, they'll use phrases like, this is like a civil rights issue. This is like the color of our eyes, that we were born this way, mm-hmm. and there's nothing we can do to change it. And you keep saying that it matters whether or not we adopt kids. Whether I adopt a kid with brown eyes and I have blue eyes, it's not going to change their eyes. I'm here to love on them. Who cares who your teacher is? Who cares what is going on uh, with people around? Who cares what we teach in sex education? You are what you are. The church comes flying in and says, no, everything is a choice. Everything has to do with what you opt to do and what you want. And so influences everything. Well, when everyone digs in, nobody's talking. Right. And then really no one's willing to even admit that something like a continuum exists. Now, on a healthier approach to this... The, the something you led us through this last time was that the church needs to recognize that there are different ways of ministering to people depending on where they are in the continuum. Could maybe both of you speak a little bit to that, to, to maybe the way that, that as Christ followers, we need to recognize some of the differences that exist in the, in the continuum. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll kick that off and then Matt, feel free to fill in whatever. Um, instead of going through each category, I would just like to highlight a couple pieces. One of them is that when the church comes out with an attitude of, you know, well, why would you choose this? It's depravity. It's when there's a lot of blame and the person's development had been bent by trauma already, mm-hmm. you're reinforcing harm. It's like trying to blame a rape victim and then constantly blaming them over and over and over again. It's not fair. It's not appropriate. And it's not okay. In the same way, um, I would say that um, if we're talking about someone that even had environmental or born that way, our our job as Christians is to come alongside in loving relationship, talk about Christ, but let Jesus begin to do some work while we're continuing to love on those people and walk with them through the long and arduous process of trying to do re-identification, trying to figure out, Lord, what will you do with my brain? What will you do with my mind? And if God doesn't bring immediate change, am I still loving that person or am I only loving that person because I'm looking for an outcome? So um, what are some of the other highlights that you saw, Pastor Matt? Yeah, I think the the continuum really helped us to just remember that everything's a case by case. And I think what what you were talking about is that a lot of people, especially when we talk about the secular world and the immovable church, they come to it and they try to go, well, it's simply this. 
And that's where they're totally throwing out the window this aspect of the complexity of humans, the complexity of history, the complexity of influence. And that's where the continuum at least sets that up, smooths it out, because then we're able to learn from the church, okay, how do we approach this and how do we realize how certain oversimplifications or comments or <coughs> ideas end up end up hurting people like you were just talking about because that's where people then don't realize that their decisions or non-decisions their their approach or non-approach really ends up leaving a a foul taste in people's mouth and so uh so I think that was the the first big piece and then and then it just reminds people that it's complex within all levels and that's where like the first week when we went through this talking about some of the science was really important to help people go like hey even if you're going to read all the science and what governments are even quoting it's super complex and it's super still not conclusive and so that you can't just oversimplify it and say this on either side as well as you can't just start throwing verses out and go it's this simple no, there's other layers to it. And so to me, what was great about this is it set us up to go, hey, this is complex, but it's not so complex that you can't figure out how we can approach people. And I think that's why one of the biggest pieces that came out within this is the aspect of the simplifications we'll say is all people are broken. And the and the the most basic direction we'll constantly say is at least compassion, right? And then And then it also came up with this aspect of and every situation is a case by case. Like you don't know that person's background, so it means listening. It means relating to the people. It means going, hey, I need to understand before I start saying blanket statements or doing blanket actions. And that's where the biggest part that most people cared about was the aspects of how you approach it within ministry as a church, as an individual, and so on and so on. Right. You know, um, one thing that I think that is important to remember is this is all around you. Yeah. Um, now, because especially in the church, because there's a stigma attached to talking about this type of stuff, it's usually underground. And what we learned in that room was the amount of people that were constantly right. The amount of people that were constantly uh, coming up to us and saying, this is happening in my family. This is happening to me. This is happening right here. And it's everyone sitting next to you at church. Right. And so everyone goes, oh, what about those people? Please do not use the phrase those people. Uh, it's just us. It's what about us? It's yep. what about us? And um, the idea that you would go, well, uh, I would know if they were struggling with that. No, you wouldn't. Nope. They're, they're, they're worshiping right along with you. And it's always like, well, they're all non-believers. What are you talking about? No, no. As a matter of fact, the majority of my friends in the LGBTQ community have church background, mm -hmm. and and many of them define themselves as believers and yeah. Christians. And so you go, what are they doing? How do you wrestle with all this? That's what I'm asking for: compassion and complexity right. to be part of those conversations. Yeah, right now, I wanted to hit on that real quick before we get into the, kind of the church involvement component. Um, because the, the expression has come up a few times, this at least compassion perspective, which I think it is fair to say that uh, the church in general is not known for a compassionate approach towards the LGBTQ community, and that has created a whole host of problems. Why, Lance, was compassion such a big point of emphasis for you with the audience that was there at Faith and Culture? You, you just kept saying, well, you want us to have at least compassion, at least compassion. Why is that such a big deal? Um, first of all, it's the heart of Christ. Second of all, I'm a defender of the underdog. Um, in this debate, um, I'm just going to tell you right now, this is still a minority group, and they do not, um, they are not the dominant group that would... Um, 
people to make all their own decisions. They're still considered a minority group. So automatically I get defensive people that get picked on. And the other main reason is we're talking in a church setting. We're the ones with all the power and heterosexuals tend to um, in the church be the ones making decisions. And so I wanted to say, guys, as the leadership of this church, I'm telling you right now, we are not loving appropriately. We are not being kind. We are not demonstrating Jesus. And I can't answer for every church out there, but I can answer for how we want to direct Bridgeway. And people are hurting. People are hurting everywhere. And um, I'm constantly seeing my friends crying about this issue, saying, why won't the Lord fix it for me? And then everyone else in the church is going, you need to fix it. They're crying out going, I've done this my whole life trying to fix this. I mean, the church has created dynamics where we suggest that people stuff it and go try to get into a heterosexual marriage, and then they have kids, and then ultimately what we're finding out is those marriages are blowing up, the kids are getting thrashed, because now they've they've said, you know what, I can't do this anymore, I'm going back to the lifestyle. And, and I'm saying our answers that we've been saying, you got to clean up, you got to clean up, you got to clean up, uh, just to hang out with us. We've put this demand of behavior modification without internal transformation and we're hurting people, yep. and I and I just don't like the nastiness. That's yeah. that just really bothers me. Yep, couldn't agree, couldn't agree more. And the that that compassion component. I mean, it's so. I mean, it's name the person, sexual orientation, whatever. It doesn't matter. We need to be people that are looking towards one another, towards our community, towards towards those who don't know. Christ. It's got to be. We have to lead with compassion. In all things. Yes. And in engaging those in the LGBT community, there is absolutely no reason why it should be any different. Now, one of the other uh, elements you walked us through, Lance, was the five levels of of ministry involvement and sort of five kinds of, I don't know, ch- change or transformation. Those are my words, not yours. Uh, in understanding sort of ministry involvement for the LGBTQ community, that was a pretty helpful list for me and I know for a lot of other people, especially in sort of clarifying where might LGBTQ persons fit within Bridgeway and then what is our approach to that issue. Uh, So why don't you walk us through that a little bit? Yeah, the idea of these five levels was the idea of, I believe every Christian is a leader because we're all advancing the kingdom of God. We are ambassadors for the kingdom and therefore we are out demonstrating as salt and light of the world what Jesus thinks, right? Well, when you do that, you're in active ministry all the time. So how ought we to minister rightly? Well, I think that there's levels of, as you suggested, uh, transformation, levels of change that you would go through of maturing. Um, And so I, I put them in kind of this order. The first one is that we, if you are a believer, there has to be at least a level change at the beginning from hatred to tolerance, okay? Because there's still a lot of animosity in the church towards the LGBTQ community, and it's it does not smell like Jesus. I'm just going to tell you that. So we got to move from hatred to tolerance, moving from disgust, condemnation, contempt, to tolerating that there are people that are different than you and that everyone has value as creations of God. Now, no one wants mere tolerance, And it is like the base level decency. (laughs) I'm so glad you tolerate me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that sounded joyful. Right. So we got to move from hatred to tolerance, which there are some people that are still having to make that transformation. The second level is from shock to focus. 
And what I mean by that is that you're overwhelmed by every LGBTQ story, experience, discussion, right? And what I'm saying is that you now could be able to listen to what they're saying from their heart and not just reacting, there's a bit more maturity there. Yeah. I think that then we need to shift from willing ignorance to educated, which means you constantly claim, I don't know, I don't know, a naivete, cluelessness, right? And to shift from that to knowing the facts accurately and interacting with it more as a subject to be known, whether, you know, you're not saying you're engaging with it, it's just you're knowing about it, yeah. right? And then the level four would be from loving ignorance to advancing ministry. And what I mean by that, from accidentally and sweetly saying offensive things to the LGBTQ <laughs> community, right, without intending to, you're super loving, you're really neat. I just would love to be able to advance ministry and not just be lovingly ignorant. Yeah. You know what I mean? We have so many sweet people, and especially at Bridgeway, we have this tremendously loving community. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think we all have the education or the wisdom necessarily to always react to every situation yet. Yeah. We're growing up, right? Yeah. But they're very loving. But it's becoming savvy enough to walk with someone who identifies as LGBTQ and be a blessing every time mm -hmm. to them. It's moving from being distracted into being calmly wise, unflappable, able to love purposely, strategically. Now, there is another layer to this. I'm going to go to number five because I told you there's five layers where you can progress in this. Mm -hmm. This is the layer where Bridgeway stops. Mm -hmm. Okay, and I'm going to explain what that means in a moment. Yeah. Number five, or the fifth progression, is somebody, and some churches have done this, some denominations have done this, some individual Christians have done this. They've gone from compassion to affirmation. And what that means is you would shift from being loving, relational, compassionate, and engaged to acceptance of gay theology views, to affirming the homosexual active lifestyle in the, in the name of love, it's no longer thinking that homosexual sexual activity is a sin, but fully affirming that the lifestyle is not only okay, but it's created by God. It's affirmed by God. Now, I am not in that place. Bridgeway does yeah. not operate in that place. Yeah. To clarify, you're saying Bridgeway stops after point four. Four. So not to point Shifting five. to point five. Now, point five, that's the Metropolitan Community Church, the Gay Christian Network, and honestly, mainline denominations. Yeah. Right? United Church of Christ, Episcopal Church, Evangelical Lutheran, Presbyterian Church USA, and on and on and on. Right. They have made a shift and progression to an area that Bridgeway has not, right. and that I do not as, as a pastor here. But here's what's interesting, and I'll, and, I'll, and I'll stop talking with this thought. My heart about this issue. Mm -hmm. You guys, and I want to talk to everybody listening. Love, I'm, I, I love God, I love people. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm super squishy on the inside. Uh, my love drives me to find an affirming position in Scripture. Mm -hmm. But that same love compels me to remain in healthy truth. And so as much as I can search, I need to deal with what's healthy and right from God. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's not about what does my heart want. It's about what does God want. Yeah. And so we here at Bridgeway have camped in the place of saying that we do not feel that it is appropriate to affirm something that God does not affirm. Right. That is our number one concern. Therefore, we do not step to the affirming position. So then 
my next question was going to be to then clarify, Bridgeway, is Bridgeway an affirming church? And our answer to that uh, would be no. Uh, but much like there was a continuum that you described earlier, I don't have a graphic for this, but there is certainly a continuum of sort of the the non-affirming position. And I recognize there are some that will say, okay, Bridgeway is non-affirming and then write us off altogether as if uh, an LGBTQ person would not be welcome here and, or anything like that. Yeah, which uh, is entirely untrue. Which is entirely untrue. And then there are others who will want us to take a very hard, um, you know, a much harder line stance on this than to simply say, well, no, we're not affirming. Now, again, there is a spectrum here. And, and I think it's important for us to recognize that kind of what being non-affirming means and what it doesn't mean. And maybe we can all sort of speak into this a little bit that for example, and maybe Matt, I'll, I'll share one or two. And then maybe if you have a, some thoughts you can share or something, we did some pre-work here on this list. But, um, for example, uh, we can say that we are non-affirming while understanding that no one of us fully affirms every aspect of anyone else's lifestyle. Right. Right. So we are, we, yeah, we're kind of non-affirming we're, to everybody. Non-affirming of everybody, including myself, <laughs> Including myself. Uh, so, and I, you know, we're, we're joking about that. And I don't mean, I know it's very serious for, for a lot of folks, but I think it's important to recognize that just because I don't affirm one element of a person's lifestyle does not mean I don't love them, does not mean I don't accept them as a person, does not mean we need to talk about the area of their life I have a problem with every time we're together. It just doesn't. Right. Uh, similarly, we can be uh, non-affirming while encouraging a posture of repentance from Christians for the way that the Christian community has mistreated the LGBTQ community Amen. and failed to show the love of Christ. So, yeah, Matt, how about you? Just maybe some of your thoughts on that. Uh, you know, I mean, both of those big points, they, they set us for all those issues that you were saying that people would love to see you go one side or the other. They, they again, show us that we're caring about interacting with people. And loving them. And that doesn't mean we're going to affirm to the way that people think of affirmation should happen, but we're also not going to sit there and be a moral police. And it was one of the things in our last week that was just a few days ago of the series. Um, I think Pastor Lance used an illustration of a flashlight of a flashlight and how we're not the moral police. And I think he said, you know, you're not given a flashlight to then go and shine it on someone and say, this is sin and this is sin and this is sin. You're giving it to be a beacon of light. The light that was in you is not meant to be a flashlight for other people's sin. Was that? Yeah. 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 And that instead, Good sorry, the instead, which that was such a powerful point, but instead the light is meant to be. Yes. A, a beacon yeah. of hope up on a hill that draws you in to being received. Yeah. And, uh, and so that's where, like, with all these things that we keep talking about in the faith and culture issue, it's always these postures of humility. And, and that's why that repentance becomes a big piece to go, hey, I want to make sure that I'm not approaching people not only with this issue, but with any sin issue in that type of posture. Right. So you can yeah. keep going, though. Yeah, good. I, I do want to clarify um, why we are not affirming. And, and, and the thing is, is we have to have the best for everybody. I, if, for example, um, somebody was um, like, let's say my daughter, uh, she was eating too much sugar. I, I don't want to be affirming of more sugar being eaten because I'm interested in her total health. So I can't be affirming of that piece. That doesn't in any way negate my love. My yeah. love is still extreme, but I just want the best. And so as I'm looking through God's word and watching how he's developed and designed the human race, I'm saying there are certain things that feel natural to us that aren't always best for us. Yeah. And I need to make sure that everyone that I love, I'm affirming the best for them and not anything less. Yeah. So I, I think that's because when you hear the phrase, well, are you affirming church or not? It makes it sound like condemnation or rejection. Sure. Quite frankly, the non-affirming non-affirming position for me is love-driven. 
Right. And so I'm like, I, I can't. I, w- I would love to because I'm the guy that likes to relieve tension. I'm the guy that likes to say it's okay. Yeah. Sure. But but if if something is going on, and remember, at Bridgeway, all community is welcome at Bridgeway. You want to come and attend a Bridgeway service, LGBTQ community, you are not only welcome, this place is for you. Right. Right. So, yes, absolutely. That is the case. Um, While at the same time, I want to I want to make sure that we are always messing with everybody here. (laughs) Like (laughs) like a lot of my sermons are really convicting talking about more ways that we can transform into the image of Christ. And so I, I, we're going to do that with everybody. It doesn't matter. So are you going to be uncomfortable with some things being challenged? Uh, of course you are. Yeah. But are you going to be loved? Of course you are. Right. That, yeah. That's kind of the heart of Bridgeway that's in gonna, general. That's going to be your experience no matter, no who, matter you who you are. Yes. Really kind of full stop. Right? Yes. That's my experience. That's all of our – and that's, and that's good. That's part of the beauty of who we are, that within an environment of love and acceptance, there can be high challenge – it is grace-filled, to be sure. It is gospel-centered, but it is high challenge. And I think an environment of grace and gospel-centricity and love is really the only place we can receive high challenge, right? Because right. otherwise it, it can become damaging in some different ways. Now, briefly, uh, you talk about church involvement, layers of involvement in the local church. Uh you talked a little bit about kind of how that works at Bridgeway for in terms of LGBTQ uh, folks and all of that. Can you talk a little bit about the levels of church involvement and what we shared about that? Yeah, I think that um, like for any church, let's say another church leader is listening to the podcast and they're and they're saying, well, how do you guys handle this? It, it is difficult. And you're going to hear me come back to the phrase I think that Pastor Matt said originally, which is it's a case by case basis. Um, and, and here's why. For every church or organization that's Christian, you have to go, all right, attendance is the first level. Yeah. Who is welcome to receive from the ministry that we are doing, right? Um, now, I would hope that if it's a Christian ministry, that does not have limits on it, right? Um, the second level, however, is like membership and serving. Okay, so who are who are we going to say, I need you to make the most critical decisions and I need you to be under high accountability with me so I can trust you as the leadership to be able to make big decisions and vote. That's your membership covenant. The other one is serving. So who can serve where? Because I believe that there's different types of serving. There's your bringing blessing and your leading blessing. There's a big difference there Um, because some issues start stepping into role modeling positions Mm -hmm. that not all sin is treated equally in the church, nor should it be. Yeah. Um, So, uh, for example, I'm not going to treat uh, a... A gentleman that is struggling with lust in the exact same way as a womanizer, someone that is cheating on his wife and doing that. There may be a root similar, but they're very, very different things. So I'm not going to treat them the same as the leadership here. The other thing is that same-sex attraction here at Bridgeway, it does not carry any condemnation because we don't believe that same-sex attraction carries any condemnation from the Lord. You are attracted to what you're attracted to in the same way. All three of us in this room, we are gentlemen. Therefore, we have to wrestle with different issues of lust and everything else. There's not a condemnation for the attraction. It's what you do with it. If it starts going down the road into lust, we start having a problem problem because that's where Jesus said, whoa, 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 hold on. What you're doing with your desire matters, right? So then the third level of ministry um, uh, beyond attendance, membership, (laughs) and and serving is 
leadership. And there's three levels of that. And that is unpaid leadership or lay leadership. What can lay leaders do? Here at Bridgeway, we are predominantly lay led. Mm -hmm. So our all our men's ministry, women's ministry, those are volunteer positions. They're huge positions with massive authority. But they are not paid. There's one layer there, then there's paid leadership, right? Which is someone that we're saying we are putting other church members' dollars into paying their salary, so there is an expectation that is higher than we would for someone that is volunteering. Right. Then the third level is pastors, elders, and senior leaders. Those are the people we're saying, listen, not only do you need to do your job well, but we need you to be a spiritual parent, and people need to be able to see your life and duplicate it and be healthy. So accountability keeps ratcheting up at every level no matter who you are, right? right. So if somebody is living with their girlfriend, right? right. They're going to be able to do a whole bunch of stuff at Bridgeway, and then there's a whole bunch they're limited at, right? right? Yeah. So no matter what you're dealing with. Yeah, there's going to be limitations based on, well, a variety of factors, yeah. this being one of them. Yes. Uh, okay, so we're getting close to the end of our time here, but a couple more things that, that, that I want to hit on. Uh, this is a question that came up a bunch during the series. I was asked it in the lobby a few weeks ago and would be interested to hear from, from you guys on this, just how you would counsel somebody in this situation. Uh, the question that, that I received and that we received in the series was, uh, so-and-so person who I'm very close to, family, friend, relative, whatever, they are getting married to a person of their same same gender. Should I attend the same-sex wedding? Uh, Lance, what would you say to that? Yeah. Um, now, I, I think Pastor Matt has heard me talk about this a million <laughs> times. I would actually like to hand off to Pastor Matt to take the first shot at all this because, I mean, you you have your own heart on this issue, and you also know my heart. So what are your thoughts? All right, go ahead. Yeah, no, it's it was good because this question has come up because we're always trying to figure out what are you communicating to someone when you're saying – Yes or no. And w- and what's the difference between whether you're communicating it if they're a married couple, sorry, if they're a Christian couple or if they're a non-Christian couple, what if they were already sleeping together? What You know, all those type of details, they, they come into the decision. And so often we're all, always weighing what what level of relationship do you have with the people that by going you're, you're communicating support, encouragement of the decision they're making to, to do a, a, a gay marriage or homosexual marriage? Or of just saying, hey, I care about you as people. I may not recognize what this means, but I don't need to have that conversation with you unless we've already had it. And then I can still come and go, you know, you know whether or not. So I think to me that relationship makes a big deal. The question always comes, and this is where I know Lance will talk about it a little bit more, of am I affirming that I agree with that type of lifestyle and that type of practice by going to the wedding? And that, that, that's have, that does have to do with how you approach what are you doing every time you go to a wedding? Are you agreeing with everything? And are you holding them to that accountability? And are you holding them to that intentionality for the couple you went to go to a wedding for, heterosexual or homosexual? So to me, it always goes, and maybe I overthink this too much, but it always goes to the intention of the heart. And I know as for us, as people that have officiated weddings, we're always looking at people and the people attending the wedding as you are part of this covenant yeah. and you are part of this activity um, and so, you know, that's where to me, if there's a certain type of wedding that I'm going to, how am I going to respond? You know, if, if I'm going to a, a wedding between two Mormons, am I going to hold the same exact position, right? Am I, as I would, if I'm going to one that's before a judge 
versus, you know, versus a pastor, you know, how do I approach that? Because I think people are selecting, like we've (laughs) talked about before, certain pieces, but, but I know that we answered this as well on Sunday night. So sure. No, no, no. And I, I will only highlight what you said. I think you said it very well, but here's the deal. What does your relationship with that person communicate? If for example, you are the curmudgeon in the office that is always um, negative and they're like, Oh, that person's a Christian. You just simply not going communicates more. I don't want to be a part of anybody else's stuff. I don't want your garbage on me. Um, If indeed, they realize, listen, I've already talked about that. I know they don't agree with my decision right now, but I'm saying, listen, this is important to me. Do you love me? And you attend, that shows love. Uh, the other thing is being consistent. Once again, it's, I have never, I don't, I shouldn't say never. Um, that would be very dangerous. Um, <laughs> it is not likely that you have gone to every wedding fully affirming all the lifestyle choices of the two people getting married. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's times when you go, man, I think he's not treating her right, but I'm still at the wedding and I'm here for her. I'm not here for him. You know what I mean? If you are playing those games in your mind or you're going to somebody's wedding that's not believers and they're doing this whole thing where they're having God seal it together, why are you not having any challenges with any of that stuff? But then all of a sudden there's a problem with a a same-sex marriage. Now, I do not perform same-sex marriage. We already talked about the fact that right. we, we don't do that in, in the affirmation piece. Right. But I will attend. Right. Absolutely. Because I would rather be in there and showing love and saying, listen, this is one element. I don't believe it's tacit approval just by showing up. Yeah. Um, I do have a different responsibility as the pastor that's up front saying, God, I need you to unite this together and I'd like you to fuse this together. So that's the reason why it's different. Right, yes. The question of would you perform a wedding, very different question to me. And I would certainly agree with you that that would be my response as well. But I think that just to reiterate what you guys both said, to kind of put it maybe a little bit differently, and this is more or less how I counseled the person who asked me recently, is I just said, what you are communicating by your attendance is love for the person. Yes. And if, and if, especially if your non-attendance is going to be viewed as some sort of boycott or something, you know, whatever or lack the case of may love. be. Sure. Or lack of love. It is burning a relational bridge that to me is very much not worth burning. And like you said, uh, none of us are affirming everything about anything. We, att- let's just broaden nope. it even more weddings, you know, none of, none of us are affirming everything about every place ever. No. So our presence is merely an act of love. It's an act of compassion. It's an act of, hey, I'm with you. I accept you, even if I don't affirm everything about you, which is the relationship we have with literally every other human that we accept on the planet. And there's opportunities for ministry that will come from that potentially that will be damaged if we just kind of say, no, 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 I need to boycott, avoid, not be a part of it, be the curmudgeon, et cetera. Yeah, so, I think, can I add one more piece? Sure. Like, I think one of the pieces that, uh, never mind. We don't have time. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it. I'll leave it. And we can, uh, we can talk about it another time. Come up and ask me. Okay. <laughs> Podcast listeners corner pastor Matt Bach in the lobby and demand to know what he was about to tell us. Yes. Okay. And hopefully I'll remember it. Okay. Last thing. What did you want out of this Lance? Yeah. You, we, you, you asked this question because others had asked you. Yes. And one of the most powerful parts of the whole series, I thought was your answer to the question. 
what did you want out of this? So can you maybe get that fire in the bottle again and kind of kind of give that to us again? What did you want out of this series? Well, here's what's interesting. Whenever you do a series like this, everybody's waiting for the big reveal, right? It's kind of like, oh, what do you, you know, are you now saying we're changing our position? Are you now trying to say that um, we're now going to have different people on staff? And everybody was waiting for this big moment of uh, me trying to do something different. And so I just wanted everyone to understand this. Here's what I wanted with all my heart. I wanted calm wisdom across the board. All I wanted was Bridgeway to say, I've already thought about this. You matter so much to me. I've looked into this. I am unflappable. I'm now like Jesus in the middle of a storm was laying down on the cushion. He's not afraid of anything. I wanted our whole... Now, I understand we only had 250 members. Now, we front-loaded them with leaders. Over half of that was our leadership of the entire church. But I want that same feeling of saying, we thought about it. I'm not rattled just because someone comes up to me and they bring up this question. I want our prayer team to be able to dive in deeply into praying for whatever and not thrown by appearances. I I, I want whether or not somebody walks in um, in drag and all of a sudden what you can't worship because you got thrown off. Wait, wait, wait. Jesus is your number one. And, And it's why can't we just have dialogue? Why can't we? And so what I really wanted so much was that calm wisdom. I'm so calm in my identity with Christ. I've thought through it so much. I feel so grounded and founded in the word of God that now I can just minister. I can just love on other people. I can just calmly care for them. That's really what I wanted. Boom. That's the number one. Well said. Love it. Well said. All right. Well, thank you, gentlemen, for your time today. Thank you to both of you and your team for all the work you did preparing for the Faith and Culture series. I know it was a huge undertaking, time well spent, and a job well done. Thanks to all of you who are listen- for listening. Hope our conversation was helpful for you today. Thanks to Lucian, Montana, Brenton, all you guys, um, the tech crew making the podcast work. We appreciate you guys very much. Great work as always. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you in two weeks for another episode of Engaging Culture. Thank you for listening to Engaging Culture, a podcast by Bridgeway Christian Church. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes. Thank you so much for listening. Music is used under the Creative Commons license and is provided by Dexter Britton.